Welcome to the launch of the Mudrex podcast, Edul. We're really excited by our collaboration, the first uh, cohort-based course on Web3 and community building, had uh, measurable results. And the sessions that the founders did and our guest faculty did seems to have uh, made a real impact. Today, we are uh, going to be discussing a bit about the vision uh, around Mudrex and uh, what should people focus on and not. And I'm really excited to be speaking straight to one of the co-founders. So, Edul, tell us a bit about who you are and um, what do you do today? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, just to give you some a bit of my background, uh, born and brought up in a small town called Nagpur, uh, went to IIT Bombay, spent five years over there doing material science engineering, uh, left IIT in 2011 uh, to join Deutsche Bank, worked at Deutsche for a couple of years in the trading and risk teams. In 2013, left Deutsche to start my first startup. We were building uh, a product called as Niffler, which was a hyper-local deals and discounts app, something like a Groupon for India way back in 2013-2015. Did that for a couple of years, uh, raised some funds, scaled up the team, uh, got successfully acquired by this company called as Tabzo, based out of Bangalore. Joined Tabzo, became head of product there, did that for three years. Tabzo eventually got acquired by Amazon. Uh, and then by 2017, figured out that I didn't want to go to Amazon and uh, decided to focus on something new, something meaningful, something that I could do for much, much, much longer period now uh, in my life. And in 2017, when we were trying to figure out what, what should we be working on, the financial space and, uh, and basically the financial information space and wealth management space and financial services space was a space that resonated very well with me and my other co-founders. And we were always trying to figure out, okay, what kind of products can we build that can help get more and more and more people to financial services and improve their quality of lives as, as an outcome. And, and let me actually try and elaborate a bit more as to what I mean by that, right? Like the, the reality is that our, our relationship with money is completely broken. A vast majority of us don't even know what do we do with our money? How do we do it? Uh, very few people are financially independent, uh, and, and by that, what I mean is that uh, they are able to manage their wealth, investing and, and savings in a way that helps, uh, that, that, that is consistent and, and that gives them peace of mind. And for a vast majority of people, the problem or the reasons why this doesn't happen is primarily because either they don't have information or they don't have access or our monetary system is built in a way that it prohibits uh, some of these two things from happening. While we were exploring more and more and more and more uh, into this kind of sort of space of financial services, wealth management, savings, insurance, credit, payment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we ended up realizing that everything that is built today is built on top of a financial system that was built in an era where the internet did not exist. And as a result, there are just numerous levels of inefficiencies throughout. And while we were exploring that, of course, crypto was growing and, and, it was probably the third or fourth times that we were hearing about crypto in our lives. And by about December 2017, it had become too obvious or too large for us to ignore it completely. And then when we went deeper inside, we realized that basically what is happening is that all of financial services stack, and for that matter, all value transfer stack is being rewritten or at least being reimagined in like an era of the internet as compared to the current financial system, which was built in siloed, uh, environments. Right? And intuitively, it was very clear that it is 
if it is going to be rewritten in the era of the internet where the where information access to information and ability to transfer and transmit information is much 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 easier there should be inherent efficiencies that make financial services easier simpler cheaper and more accessible to more and more and more folks and as a result of that we decided to focus more on crypto and said that okay crypto is going to make financial services more efficient and if that's going to be the case simply because of efficiency more and more and more financial services will move to crypto and then mudrex can be the platform that helps people get access to these financial services that are being rethought or being rebuilt on crypto so that's what we started doing uh, in in 2018 we we just wanted to give people more and more and more access to crypto because we at the core do feel that the financial services stack is being rewritten uh, in 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 an internet enabled way uh, in, in in like the 20th century right and why do you think people should care about web3 and crypto well so i think uh, it's a, a lot of people talk about uh, and then we we'll talk about web3 first and then we we'll talk about crypto as a part of it right uh, a lot of people talk about uh, saying that you know the web is evolving uh, and sort of so then they, they talk about web1 and web2 and web3 and where a lot of people say that okay web2 is like an evolution of web1 web3 is an evolution of web2 i i find the term evolution although correct but used incorrectly where people think that when say the web2 is an evolution of web1 what they want to say a lot of times is web2 is better than web1 uh, and the same concept is also repeated when someone says that web3 is uh, an evolution of web2 they what they imply a lot of times web3 is better than web2 actually it's really not the case the reality is that there these are just three different ways in which uh, information can be distributed on the internet and value can be captured and let's just talk about them in a bit more detail right like when you, when you talk about web1 we are, we are although we are saying that we are talking about the original era or like from let's say 95 to 2005 when the first platforms came into place but basically what web1 stands for is that a platform creates value a platform distributes value and a platform captures value and a great example of that is a company called as yahoo yahoo was a platform that got information news aggregation and all of it to a place yahoo did the distribution of that and yahoo made money using ads right another company right. that does this really well is google google figured out how to get all information indexed and searchable and bring it on google.com google did the distribution everywhere and google is making money on ads right so web1 is where the platform creates value the platform distributes the product and also the platform captures value in the 2005s and so on and so forth there was this new wave of companies that came up which were more or less social companies but basically the premise over there was that companies created a platform where multiple people could generate content and because the internet is all about information dissemination the more and more and more content you have the more and more and more information becomes available so users started creating content and as a result users started creating value the platform did the job of distribution but the platform captured a large amount of the value that got created right and this necessarily happened because there was no way to distribute value to so many people in a cheap enough way in a way where you could account for why someone should get some value and you should account for also how someone should get what amount of value right and what web3 actually does is just focuses on that part but the idea is still the same that as the internet evolves you would give access to more and more and more people to create value they will be able to create it 
A platform will distribute it or will work with multiple people to distribute that value. But at the same time, the value will not be captured by the platform, but the value will be captured by value creators, which are the users who create value. And that part, in my opinion, is really, really important, right? Basically, what's happening is that we are moving from, we are, we, we are moving into an era of the internet where anyone can become a creator. Anyone can create a business. Anyone can monetize their core key, very, very niche specific skill set. Because in the age of the internet, you can sell anything and there is demand for everything. Right. That, that's basically where we are today. Right. Because of the internet, I, a seller selling, sitting in a corner of, let's say, Nagpur can sell Indian artifacts to a person who is wanting to buy that in Australia. Now, if someone can do the same thing with goods, why can't the same thing happen with services? Why can't the same thing happen with other non-physical products that can be created on the internet? Right. And that's basically why people should care about Web3. The reason why you should care about Web3 is that our lives are going to be more and more and more on the internet. A lot of things and places where we spend money is going to shift more and more and more on the internet, if not already. And a lot of the places where we will be spending will be on things created by individuals. And Web3 is a way by which those individuals and those individual value creators can capture a lot of this value better. That's what Web3 is. And crypto is just an instrument of doing this value capture. The crypto part is easier. It's just, a, right. it's just an instrument with which you capture this value. The key part is how can this value capture be democratized? How can it be become accessible and how can be it be available to so many people world over? Yeah. I've written a new book. Uh, it's called The Passion Economy and the Side Hustle Revolution. It just got published. And one segment of that is dedicated to Web3 and what are creators doing? How is the passion economy changing it? And uh, to me, Web3 is about redistributing ownership, redistributing access. And uh, the way you described it is a very helpful primer into Web3 and crypto as just a means of uh, going about this exchange. Um, in right that's about, like, sorry, just, just one part uh, to, to plug in over there, right? Like people underestimate or actually, I, I don't even think that people understand what it means to own something, right? Like what is asset? i.e. what is wealth, what is money, and, and how do you contribute to create asset and wealth in the longer run, and why it should not be misinterpreted with money. And, and this is like a complex problem that most people don't understand because traditionally they've always kind of sort of bartered time for a service that they gave to a company and earned money in return. But actually what you did is you bartered time to create wealth on a, for an org. And that wealth, you got compensated by money today. The wealth grew, but your money did not. And as a result, you remained poor, but companies grew and became mm. much more valuable, right? So although you contributed meaningfully in the growth of the company, you never owned the company or you never owned the business or you never able to own that project or never able to participate in the wealth creation that happened with that project. And that is a very important concept that, that kind of sort of is societally not passed through. And that changes with the internet, right? simply because anyone can create things. Just a bunch of people can come together and create something extremely large, meaningful and valuable. And, and as a result of that creating, they should be compensated also for it in that way. And not just with money. Absolutely. Um, and the relationship between platforms and people and policy makers, this needs to be looked at as well. And we're going to do something uh, towards that in this podcast as well. So um, when, you, when you say that people's relationship with money 
is broken. Do you want to elaborate a bit more uh, about it and what can uh, a platform like Mudrex do to perhaps fix it? Correct. So I think uh, when I say people's relationship with money is broken, I, I'm saying that people in most more often than not don't think about their finances in a structured, long-term and consistent way. And when I say finances, to solve for their finances, they use financial services and all financial services are basically wealth, which is long-term wealth creation, savings, which is profitable long-term wealth creation, transactions and payments that you want to do today for the things that you want to buy and sell today, insurance for outlier events and basically credit which is getting money today for with collateral that you have for future payments that you want to do. Wealth, savings, credit, payments, and insurance is financial services. And I say people's relationship with money is broken is that they don't have either access to all of these or don't understand how or when should they be able to use which financial service that complements everything else to solve for their problems and their wealth needs today. And that part is a critical part. And I think fundamentally the reason why all of these have been siloed is because all of these got created in a siloed way in, in and, and all of these work completely siloed without talking with each other. Now, then, then let me give you a simple example. Imagine uh, you creating, you, you creating long-term wealth by investing in, let's say the Nifty 50 index, month over month over month over month, right? Now you are creating long-term wealth using it. But today for you to be able to buy and sell, let's say eggs, bread, milk and groceries, you need some INR, right? Now, ideally, the best way what you would want to do is you just want to put in every money that you want into your long-term investments and have just the bare minimum amount of money available for you, for you to be able to do transactional things today because that's like the best utilization of money. But because your wealth and your savings and your transactions don't talk to each other, what you do is you have some amount available in your current account that you're using for your daily things. Someone put in, in savings for emergencies and then some amount put in wealth for long term, right? Credit in itself is has such social stigma and such misconceptions that credit though is not even thought of in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, and then insurance is such an undersold or missold product that people also barely understand when should they buy insurance, what should they buy it for, and so on and so forth, right? And, and the way we think of Mudrex is that we think that in a world where financial services are powered by crypto, all of this information becomes more and more and more public. Not only public, accessible to platforms that can then using this information help you better manage where should your money be? How much credit can you get? How can you use that credit for today? How do you apply for insurance? How do you get that insurance and make sure that insurance claiming, etc., goes through? And at the same time, create wealth in the long run. So that's that's where we see Mudrex in like the 10, 20, 30 year horizon, right? We want to be we want to build a financial services stack for every single person will do. And we think that this individual products for this are being rebuilt on crypto. We want to build a distribution layer so that we can give you access to these financial services that are being rebuilt on crypto. And we are starting right. with wealth and savings. Wealth and, and savings as well. Do you want to tell us why wealth and savings? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, there are two parts to that answer. The first part is that wealth and savings are the first products that are being rebuilt on crypto. Uh, basically, wealth is putting money in long-term assets that will grow and crypto tokens and trading and transactions of crypto tokens are the first kind of products that are being built 
uh, on wealth. So that first set of products are almost ready uh, from, from like uh, availability perspective. The same is actually also true for savings. All basically savings is an outcome of some amount of lending borrowing uh, in, in some with some risk management along with that. So lending borrowing with risk management is also a product that is today available on crypto. Everything else from credit payments, basically when I say everything else, credit payments and insurance are still way too early uh, in the ecosystem itself. So wealth and savings, we think are at reasonable level ready. And we think that they are, they're ready at a level where we can focus on distributing them now to users and then using those products, build trust. Because at the end of the day, all financial services is it's kind of sort of focusing on building trust and building a relationship with your customers and then over time uh, helping them get access to credit, insurance payments, and so on and so forth in the 10, 20, 30 year horizon. Yeah. And uh, what are the shifts that you're observing in society, in the people that you interact with, your customers in India and around the world, that gives you confidence that there is something transformative happening here despite what you see? or read in the newspapers these days. Correct. No, I think I, I, and, and I, I will, for the purpose of this answer, continue to focus on people who are deeply into the crypto setup, who are working and building projects, right? I think the one main thing that, that, I'm, that I'm seeing again and again and again, which continues to reinforce my belief in, in this ecosystem, is the fact that people do genuinely want to collaborate, come together, create value, own value and then focus on distribution in creating the right things. And that sense of community, that sense of wanting to work together, growing setups, and, and then moving out of it when your contribution is done and making space for someone else is the natural way in which things should evolve. And when, I, when I'm working with DAOs, when I'm working with folks who are building crypto projects, when I'm working with people who are wanting to solve large meaningful problems inside of crypto, this belief continues to get reinforced again and again and again. That's one part. The second part that I'm seeing more and more and more, and, and I think this is more linked to just accessibility, right? Crypto, and when I say crypto, I mean Bitcoin, Ethereum, all of the tokens that are available are literally the first asset class that's truly global, available to everyone at one or maybe just a fixed, defined, broad range of price, available instantly and directly, and available right where you can own it and keep it and save it, right? And that is also transformative because if it's available instantly, you can keep it on it, save it, and you can convert it whenever or wherever you want. Your boundaries between wealth and money start to get blurred very, very, very quickly. Because if you're wanting to use money, you can instantly liquidate, use, or instantly get credit, use, pay back credit, and continue to grow your wealth. Right? And that I think is also happening more and more and more now. And that's going to be a very transformative journey over the next few years as well. So collaboration and community building and, and, and that being the next way in which uh, businesses and, and platforms get built and also how your wealth savings and credit talks with each other. Uh, and these are the two immediate things that we are, we are seeing change um, at, at least in, in the conversations that I have with folks. Yeah. Uh, community is quite literally my favorite word. I would love for you to tell me why you care about community so much as the co-founder of a uh, you know, a Web3 company, um, why is that important to you? So, so I think uh, I, 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 it, it's deeply rooted in uh, how we think about building our business, right? Like we, we, we've always felt that Mudrex as a company is user first. We, we are people first for that matter. And in, in, 
people our users are most important and without understanding what our users want what what is kind of sort of their problems what are they looking to solve for and without working with them we can't really build a product that helps solve for financial service problems of of many many users right on the other end what we've also seen is that a lot of our a lot of our users are very passionate about the product and want to work with us and help us in growing and building the business more and more and more right so community has been at the heart and core of mudrex ever since we started uh, in fact our discord community has been very active and has been scaling up really, really well we have now got a bunch of defi projects that we are working on separately as well uh, namely one being jedi swap that is itself grown into a very large discord community that we are scaling up where we are getting people to contribute growing crypto projects and communities along with them and just really working in that group gives this sense of collaboration and community and and fulfillment that you really can't get working in silo right and i think that's that's really important and then that that part makes work just way more meaningful than than, than yeah. working alone by yourself talk to me about communities um that are very large contrast them with audience members or celebrities who have many followers and talk about small communities which are you know not composed of say thousands of members but have few people who are really connected with each other how do you look at say the social geometry or the network geometry of these scenarios yeah so so i think a community is only as valuable as the interactions happening in that community so and uh, let's say uh, someone on instagram creating posts and just distributing it or broadcasting it to their audience without being able to consume feedback and improve what they are doing is just like a one way street hmm. it's not really a graph but it's like a broadly a tree with some feedback that helps it yeah. improve with that tree right so so i i wouldn't really call that a community as such it is a followership on on the other end let's say a reddit community is a great example of a community where it's a group of people who are focused or really passionate about a particular uh, problem or a particular topic and are very passionately wanting to discuss what's going on how can they improve how can they change how can they become better right for example uh, and 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 this can be really motivating as well so there was a point in time when uh, about a, a few years ago when i was really into keto diets right like hmm. uh, trying to lose weight uh and try to become more healthier in life and i joined this community called as keto gains r keto gains on reddit right and uh, the just the quality of conversations are so high on, on communities like that that it not only helps you get information but it also helps you uh, kind of sort of be motivated and it also helps you being entertained right so it's like that social part of large communities that access and availability is available to everyone to be able to broadcast and protect but at the same time there are certain rules that are ingrained as a culture of that community that people follow is like a very very critical part and unless communities are made open and contributors are empowered but at the same time there is this broad systemic uh, almost unsaid written unwritten rules of of things that you can do and can't do communities can't grow another way that i think of communities is that communities are like a party right like and i think of this yeah. like, let's say i'm starting a if i'm starting a community or or if i'm starting a party like effectively going to is like hosting a party in your house and you say that okay this is a party this is a theme these are the kind of people who can come these are the things that we will do and these are the things that we will not do everything else is game right and now 
inside this party of course there is someone responsible for food someone responsible for music someone responsible for the dance and so on and so forth right and how do you identify the right people responsible for them and how do you give them that sense of ownership and how do you get them to grow all of this is like i think the key part in making sure that communities are successful and communities can scale so um gun to your head if if somebody forces you to pick being part of a community a small community which is like really closely connected and they work together do bunch of stuff or would you like to be part of a, a very very large uh, you know set of people who are in some shape or form connected to something what would you pick oh, of course small like I, I, the meaning the quality of meaningful conversations is way more important than just the number of conversations in fact i i i wrote a i wrote a linkedin post on this literally today uh talking about why communities are important and why quality just matters way way more like a quality group of 100 people passionate about a problem can change the world in way more meaningful a way than 100000 people who are loosely looking at a problem yeah i talk about it in my book as well in the 1000 true fans model which was yeah. evangelized by kevin kelly and the 100 true fans which is really super fans who who going to be there for you and uh, i built network Capital, keeping these two principles in mind: hundred super fans, thousand true fans, and how do you really create a, a feedback loop that, in a way, dem- democratizes ownership? People need to feel ownership of the shared passion, the shared platform, the shared community. So I think uh, both you and I are aligned on that aspect of the problem. Absolutely. Um, tell me what tokenization means to you. Why? Why does that matter? and uh, in the web3 space um we discussed ownership some time back how might tokenization change the way we look at ownership correct so actually the way i think of uh, tokenization as such as a term is trying to make something attributable accountable and transferable uh, these are three i think very key parts uh, when you're talking about tokenization and if you are wanting to create something attributable by attributable i mean say i have what i'm trying to say is a define what it is what it can be what it can't be uh, accountable means that it has a certain number uh, and that number can be x y z increase or decrease at a defined rate and then transferable means that it can go from you to someone else to someone else these three things are key components to tokenization and these three components are also very critical and very important when you are talking about ownership of anything uh, when you are saying that you are owning something that something has certain attributes uh, it has uh, a, there is some accountability to it there are certain number of those things and then it also needs to have transferability because if it's non transferable that means that what's the point of owning something that's not transferable it's just with you and permanent uh, and i think as we move more and more and more into the world of web, web 3 what we what will start happening is that we will try and figure out more and more and more ways in which we can tokenize value created by individuals on platforms and that part is very critical in some cases the value that someone adds might be a service that they provide in some cases the value that someone adds might be a good that they provide in some cases it might just be trust that they are adding to a network in some cases it might just be information decimation in some cases it might be hardware space and so on and so forth right but the common components are these these same three things it needs to have some attribute it needs to have some accountability it needs to be transferable right and then 
as web3 grows as more and more and more things get added more and more things will continue to get tokenized and once mm-hmm. you are tokenizing something you are able to kind of sort of attribute a value to to these individual properties that you are creating and then hold them trade them move them from one to the other uh, and and start accounting them as wealth instead of just something random that you have and i think that has implications for real estate that have implications for owning practically ownership or uh, uh, anything uh, also rewards and incentives um, can be looked at differently when it comes to tokenization you know using the three points that you described right absolutely right so i think uh, basically all rewards and incentives are what all rewards and incentives try to do is drive certain kind of behavior that hmm. generate certain kind of value for something or someone and and the more and more and more you want to talk about tokenization and the more and more you want to talk about creating tokens it's basically trying to figure out how much value has someone added and trying to attribute that value to that person in a better way that's what we would want to do more and more and more as things move towards web3 so let's say two decades from now what difference do you think uh, crypto and web3 would have made in our society we've already touched some of these use cases but i want you to really look uh, forward and not make a guess but look at ways in which uh, you see society changing at a fundamental level our preferences changing at a fundamental level correct so i think uh, 20 years is a, is a fairly long time as such right? yeah the longer things happen the more difficult it becomes to guess but let yeah. me try and but is, i'm not yeah. asking you to guess knowing right. what you know today and being open to changes how might you think the world would look like Correct. So I think 20 years from now, uh, what I expect is that a vast majority of our wealth is digitally owned. A vast majority of our wealth is owned by us personally, not kept in a bank, uh, accessible to us. And when I say wealth, that also includes a uh, value that we've created in terms of, let's say, social media posts, uh, mm. wealth in terms of my data, my information, my likes, my dislikes, and so on and so forth. Uh, all available accessible to us digitally in a way that we can share with someone when we want with our rights and with our capabilities and doing that sharing either to consume some information from someone or to monetize the value that i have and 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 that i think is one fundamental change that's going to happen today everything that we think we own is actually placed in different different custodians world over and they are monetizing everything that we own in different different ways i think what will start happening is that this unbundling of custodians will happen and ownership will be driven back to an individual and that will also improve access to those products and also improve governance of who has the ability to get that information and what do you get in return for that information and i think I that, that is that is a large fundamental change that will drive changes in everything else uh and when i say everything else everything from uh, communication that you do between friends family socially your relationship with your with money and how do you uh, make it accessible and how do you use it on a day to day basis and and from there to things like how do you own property what what do you have the rights to vote on um and 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 of course things like uh, education things like medical health medical data and so on and so forth unbundling of custodians this is too important a term to not discuss further 
Um, before we conclude, I'd love for you to unbundle the unbundling of custodians. Yeah, I think so. Basically, today most of things that we own are custodied somewhere, right? Like all my photos are on Google Photos or Instagram, right? Like it's it's held with a custodian that is monetizing the things that I'm and that I'm owning in their way, right? My money is in a fixed deposit in a bank that's monetizing it by lending it out to someone else. Uh, uh, all my let's say identity information is kept in different 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 silos that are using that identity information to target ads to me right and 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 my property ownership is also vaguely in some register uh, in inside the government office that i don't even know as, as proof of it or not right and i say unbundling of, of custodians what will happen is that all of these custodians are rent seeking custodians right like they charge you some rent for that that rent for a service they provide directly that rent, that rent is service that you're paying directly or service that, or, or, or a fee that you don't know that you're paying at all. And until it becomes too late for you to realize, right? Unbundling of custodians means that this ownership that they have will move from them to you because storing all of this with you will become an order of magnitude easier. And because distributing these things with the right kind of people will become an order of magnitude easier. And that is an eventuality because literally the purpose of the internet is to make information transparent, accessible, and distributable to everyone. And with crypto and blockchain, we now also have a way to limit control and make sure that transfer is verifiable, trackable, and so on and so forth. So unbundling of custodians is an eventuality mm-hmm. that will happen simply because of how things are growing, simply because things work, become more efficient that way. And simply because you having control makes you uh, monetize your assets and your property better. Awesome. And this is a question I often like, like to ask my interesting guests. If Mutrex is widely successful in the mission, um, what would that look like? What would that feel like for you as one of the co-founders? Yeah, I think uh, when, when I started, I said that we want to do help people get to financial independence, right? Our, our goal was simple. We said that we want to change or we want to help 1% of the world become financially independent in their life, which means that we have to have 1% of the world manage their money and their finances and wealth in a better way that helps them sleep better. And I think if we are able to help 1% of the world just deal with their money better, we think that we will free up just so much human potential uh, so that people can actually work on being more creative, being more social, being more available and following their passions instead of focusing on making their money. And if at that point we are truly able to help people follow their passions, I think that is what will help us or help me uh, be more happy than everything else uh, in the world. Right? That, that's what our goal is. We want to make one person in the world financially independent so they can follow their passion. Everything else we take care of. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, this was Edul Patel, one of the co-founders of uh, Mutrex and I'm Akarsh, the founder of Network Capital. We'll be bringing you such uh, informational and interesting podcasts uh, throughout the year. And our mission is very simple help you shape the world with the power of Web3 and crypto. And uh, stay tuned on this channel for many such updates and discussions and cohort-based courses. And let's try and make a slightly more equitable world one step at a time. Thank you very much.